Well, here we are. We're going to read the Word of God to you this morning as we bring the Word around divine healing and evangelism and with some important factors in this section of Scripture out of Luke chapter 5. And it's also found in Mark chapter 2 verses 1 through to about 10 or 12. But this morning I just want to read out of Luke because it seems to have something more that I'm going to end up with which will give you greater help in understanding God's truth. So if we take our Bibles and look at Luke 5 and we read from verse 15. But the news about him was spreading even farther and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. One day he was teaching and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal. It then says, And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins, but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins have been forgiven you, or to say, Get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear, saying, We have seen such remarkable things today. I pray that as we talk about these scriptures, and if you have sickness in your bodies, that you will be healed while these scriptures are being read. Because as you hear him, they were being healed. And so here we read this. But let us go to the scripture as in Mark chapter 2. And I just want to emphasize a few things here. It says in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, when he had come back to Capernaum. Well, he had been in Capernaum with a wedding of wedding down there at the corner of Galilee. He had come into that area and also he had remember he had healed the nobleman's son. And whenever he came back to Capernaum, people took notice that he was back in this area where signs and wonders seemed to happen. Many were gathered together, verse 2, so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And you're speaking the word to them. I love that as in one of the points today is this, that he was speaking the word. Jesus was not giving his opinions or his church's denominational understanding and interpretation or Dr. Google or something off the Internet giving that person's perspective. He was speaking the word. He himself, the word, was speaking himself to them. And he was speaking to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And then you know the rest of the story. Well, I love the fact that these people are a bit late coming to the meeting. And there was obviously no social distancing there. 
because there's, they were piled up near the door. And they didn't quit and say, oh man, we, we just blew it today. Sorry, my friend. Um, we'll have to bring you back on the stretcher next week. How's your schedule? Can you quickly look at your iWatch and find out what's going on or anything like that? He, they just said, listen, I know we can't get through the door, but I tell you what, there's another way. And they came in through the roof. I would love to have been in that meeting. Can you put yourself in that meeting? Can you look at the ceiling in your house where you are and just think what it'd be like if someone was up on the roof, someone you never knew, an absolute stranger, five people. And of course, the fifth one being unable to do anything. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they were on the roof and they were making a noise and you were literally having a break in. And of course, in our day and age right now, with the tenseness of what's going on, we would be terrified. We, we would be dashing off to certain parts of the house, locking doors, frantically phone calling. But, but this is a public meeting, and Jesus, he, he, it says in Mark 2, and he was at home, verse 1, Mark 2, 1. And it was heard that he was at home. I often wonder whether uh, that was Jesus' home. Or we could possibly say that today he was at home in your home. And we could say this, he was at home in your church. In other words, he was fully welcomed by everybody to be there. It was, of course, he was to be there. It was one of those things, you mean to say you need permission to come home? This is your home, be at home. And it's one of those moments where I think in, in the church life and personal life, that is God at home in your heart? Is he continually welcome there? Can he just come in without an invitation? He was at home. And so here he was. I can imagine him sitting in his chair, all waiting, watching the Pharisees, the disciples, the people who were normally at that home. Or there were strangers, four different groups of people. And they were not phased at all by what was happening. And you could hear the scratching and the stuff going on. And in this instance, in part of the Bible, it says here there were tiles. So I don't know what kind of tiles they had in those days. But they were pulling off tiles. They were descaling the roof, if you might say, to make an opening in which to lower this man down. Dust on the inside. Chaos going on. Insurance policies being challenged. Safety procedures being challenged as they were not very good in what they were doing. They didn't have safety harnesses. And actually, friends, we could paint a pretty rugged picture about how not to do something. But in this case, they did it. So what was it? First thing I want us to know is that they came to hear him, as it says in Luke, and to be healed. Hearing comes before healing. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And your faith acting on God's word will determine what that word can do for you. He sent his word and healed them, Psalm 107.20. The unfolding of your words brings light or revelation, as it says in Psalm 119, verse 130. And so the power of the word is real. And so, as, as I heard one man say way back in the great revivals of the Great Awakening and the Voice of Healing Days, you, you cannot reap a harvest unless a seed has been sown. If there's no seed, no harvest. If you want healing, 
There's got to be the word of healing. There's got to be the sowing of that seed in their lives. And so these people understood the procedure or the process of divine healing. When we look back at, at Mark 6, 5, where it says, He could do no mighty works there except lay his hands on a few sick people. And he marveled at their unbelief. So if you don't have belief and faith comes by hearing the word, the people came not hearing the word or didn't want to hear the word or never took time to hear the word and yet expected the miraculous and obviously didn't get what they came for and left disheartened and discouraged. So seed comes before reaping of a harvest. Secondly, for, in order for anyone to retain truth, they, they've got to maintain their condition. If you want to retain your healing, you've got to maintain the reason why you're healed. You've got to retain the fact that His Word in you maintains the healing because that Word continually gives you what it has. And so the teaching is important to maintain what you have. Um, people who get healed, and they, as I have seen out in the mission field in Africa, they come for the meeting, they come for the moment, they come for the experience, they come for the quick fix. And it's sad to say if they don't have the healing to maintain and base their faith upon, then they leave and they may have the healing at the moment, but the momentum of what they possess seems to leak out or dissipate or dilute out of them because they don't have that faith in which to stand standardize their, their belief system. The other thing is here, the way that they presented the sick man came before the demonstration. So I can put it this way. The presentation happens before demonstration. Us presenting ourselves to Christ will result in his demonstration in our lives. There's the presentation, the application, and demonstration. And these four men that load him through the roof knew exactly where and how to present him. They, they were not content to be at the back of the crowd and wait for the rest of the people and, and for a cue. No, they, they, they broke in. They broke the ceiling of their faith. In, in, uh, I've just put a note down in my notes to remind me in 2 verse 4, it says, And being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed, remove, removed the roof above them. Verse 19, But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles in the stretcher in front of Jesus. So there we have determination. Your determination will give you your destination. Their determination to get in front of Jesus got their destination in front of Jesus. Something about being persistent and, and aggressive in Christian walk. I think so often we, we go to church and we think, well, you know, I hope something happens today. And if it doesn't, then maybe we should change church and go somewhere else. Or, you know, I've been doing this thing for so long, nothing happens. And I, I would imagine that this man had, was sitting on his mat. He'd given up. He was so preoccupied with the condition that he was in. He didn't even think of getting into the position to put himself into. His friends knew that. His friends said, no, you are coming to church today. You are getting in the place of Jesus. And so they did. They, they got there. And that persistentness 
if there is such a word. That pushing through is so needed today. I think in this time that we've just been in and through and are still going through possibly with each of us, it has kind of shrunk the field in what we look at. I don't know, for me, I, I um, mentioned the other day we had gone out and uh, we went as far as 10 kilometers away from home for the first time in 60 days. And uh, how small the world can be shrunk because of public or universal opinions. And when that happens, it seems to shrink your whole world. And one of the biggest things to do is to maintain your world into what it was, if not more than what it has been, into something greater. I have this that I've shared with a few churches around the world as we've done this on Zoom. And I believe this, that what's going to come out of this is the church expanded. A church with a universal vision, more than it ever has done, because this thing has affected every single one of us, this COVID. And, and it's brought us into a place where worship is far more sensitive. We, we don't come and worship because we want to sing that guy's latest song. We don't dress up in skinny jeans and have smoke machines to have an experience with God. But we come because we want to sing, we want to celebrate, and we want to exalt Him. We exalt Him all over the earth, as the Psalms say. And so this man on his mat, the mat was his world. It defined his borders. Friends, don't let anything define your borders. Don't let fear shrink you. Don't let... Uh, the impossibility of lack of finance coming or the impossibility of it shrink your world you are bigger and you are destined to live in this world this man's world was broken open by four others maybe their names not given here was Matthew Mark Luke and John the gospel can explode your world the next thing we find is in, in, the, in Luke 5 verse 20 it says seeing their faith he said Friend or man, your sins are forgiven you. Seeing their faith. There's something about seeing faith. It is visible. Boldness is visible. In Acts 14 verse 9, it says, when, when Peter saw the man had faith to be healed, he said, stand up. He didn't lay hands on him. He didn't um, pray for the sick. He gave a command. And in this case too, Jesus said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. And obviously, when you read that, you think, well, excuse me, um, Jesus, this man, he's sick. Surely the right thing to say would be, you are healed of your disease. But obviously, Jesus didn't. He said something else first, which caused the Pharisees to go into a bit of a tailspin because they said, well, who does he think he is to forgive sins? Only God can do so. And they went instantly into theological debate as to who, what, and why, and when. And obviously when that happens, Jesus knew it, and they, they lost the plot. Then, then Jesus, as we read here, uh, let, me, let me just come back to what I was saying. Some people are so oppressed that they're so taken up with their condition that they just don't have faith. I don't know if you've seen people like that, that they are so occupied with their condition that... They just don't have faith to be healed. They don't have the faith to rise up. And this is where it's so important when you have someone else of faith to help you in that condition. And when you saw their faith, that's a plural word, not individual. 
So the corporateness caused the response from Jesus. Now, I want to read something to you out of, out of um, Psalm 49, verse 7. It says, No man can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him, which is true in this sense. Your faith cannot save others, but your faith can cause Jesus to respond in such a way as to bring healing. Your faith cannot save others. Your prayers will not save others. But when two or three of you are touching one thing, when you gather around and you bring people to the Lord, you bring people to church, something changes them. Your physical body can be touched, but salvation is your responsibility. Each individual should give an account of his time. So their faith caused that to happen. And of course, Jesus turned to him and said, you know, son, your sins are forgiven. So coming around to this again, um, about this man, there is a change. He said to him, friends, your sins are forgiven you. Verse 21 out of Luke 5. Let's read this. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Forgive, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who can do this but only God? He's the only one who can do this. Jesus, being aware of the reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning this way in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth, and he, he talks about that. And he turns to the sick man, and he says to him, I say to you, I love that. That is such authority. He says, don't listen to what they're saying. Don't listen to that opinion. I say to you, get up. And of course, this man's paralyzed. Get up, pick up your stretcher, go home. Three words, get up, pick up, go home. Here again, as I think I shared to slightly earlier, there was no laying on of hands. There was no prayer line. There was no anointing of oil. There was none of that. There was simply a command to do something. And of course, immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on and went home. Here's the point. When, when, Let's, let me read this. I just want to read this to you because it is so good. It says, Your sins be forgiven you. Who can say, Arise and walk and get away with it unless the person gets up and walks? So you can debate so much about, as these Pharisees did in their theological discussion, and get stuck in a swamp of indecision. Or you can say, I want to show you, I want to prove to you that this man's sins are forgiven you. Sir, get up. Get your mat and leave. You're not staying here. And the man does it. Guess what? The first argument seems to fade away in the revelation of the fact that the second one is a demonstration of the first one, which brings in the power of God and settles every argument. And so I think here it is a powerful statement that Jesus says, I say to you, get up and walk. In other words, to prove that you are set free, you can do what you're called to be. And he did. He got up. But here's a point I want to read to you as well. The words of Jesus indicated something more. And there is a connection between sin and sickness. And there is an association between the healing of the soul and the healing of the body. It is God's plan that when a man is healed on the body, the healing of the soul should take place also. 
For this reason, divine healing cannot be dissociated from the preaching of the gospel as sometimes unspiritual and not to be mentioned in the same breath as salvation. But the truth is that the gospel offers a double cure for a double curse. Unfortunately, the Pharisees could not see it this way. And today many theologians are of the same opinion. Both come together. Finally, as we end, faith is an act. It is something that you act upon. It's not something that you think about. Faith is believing and doing. And for faith to be enacted, as we read in these scriptures here today, it was instant obedience. It wasn't, well, I can't do this. I have never done this. No one's here to help me, like the pool of Bethesda. Uh, no one helps me get into the pool when the angel comes down. There's an instant response of an explosive ability that ignites something within this person, and he jumps to his feet, and he walks out. I love the way that every time there's someone healed that's been lying on the mat in the Bible, that mat never remains where it was. In the pool of Bethesda, pick up your mat and go home. Same, almost the same things. We are to deal with the condition that we've been lying upon. And Jesus said that. He says, I want you to take your mat and leave. In other words, don't leave your problem behind for the church to pick up and sort out. I am not going to counsel you through this. I want you to deal with a situation that you've been on or has defined your environment for too long. I want you to deal with that. I want you to take it outside. I want you to knock the stuffing out of it and throw it into a dustbin, burn it, because you're never coming back to that place again. And so this man did. He jumped up. He picked that. The first act he did is dealt with his, dealt with his position that defined his condition. He dealt with it. And when you deal with that, you settle forever where you're headed to. And of course, he was set free. And so Jesus put two things in one place. As 3 John 2 summarizes, and, and I'm going to end here with this one. Paul says, I pray that you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. I pray that you may always prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Your physical health determines on the health of your soul. Salvation is vital to divine healing. Jesus here said that first because he wanted to make sure that we understood when we read Mark and Luke that that condition was put into place for us to be there. Finally, the last position, last thing I want to talk to you about is in, is in Luke. It says here, Large crowds were gathering to hear in verse 17, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. The power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. There was a healing anointing in that room where the supernatural happened. When there is a healing anointing in an atmosphere, you just talk and stuff happens. Here's the thing. First of all, believers go out into all the world, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. First point. Secondly, if you have a gift of healing, when you go lay hands on by imparting the, the, the gift of healing into people, they too shall be healed. That's the second stage. 
The third one is possibly is this one, James 5.14, anoint the sick as the elders do in the church and they shall be healed. There is the miraculous power of healing that is there. That's number four. And here we find this one, possibly number five in a list of whatever, that there's an atmosphere that carries the presence. Could we say, and the power of the Lord was present to prophesy. The power of the Lord was present for salvations. The power of the Lord was present for whatever else it is. And so there's an atmosphere that was there that was present. And that was one of the key things that the scripture was introduced to us at. So here's a challenge for us. If you're listening and you're sick in your house, and you're listening to this podcast, whatever it is that the church has been putting out there for us on radio. I, I pray that you would stand up right now in your room, right now in your house, wherever you are, you stand up. If you're blind, deaf, can't speak, riddled with some kind of sickness that medicine cannot help you with, trust God for this to happen. Do not be confined to the mat of options that you've been on, but trust God for the supernatural to happen right now in your room, right now, regardless of what man has said. And Father, I pray right now that your anointing would saturate the atmosphere of that room, that as family and friends would walk over and lay hands on family and friends residing in the same accommodation. They lay hands. It doesn't say apostles' hands. It says hands generally laid on the sick. Instantly there is a release of the anointing and the power of God to flow and to touch that person, to bring about change. A double kill for a double curse. Yes, if there's a curse of sickness, healing. There's a lack of salvation and knowing Jesus. Salvation. Let both happen right now in that home, in that house, all over the community, all over the suburb, all over wherever it is. And Lord, I thank you that your word would be confirmed today with those kinds of signs following me. Ask and pray for that to be so in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you have just want to make sure that you're born again, that you have been like a prodigal son and daughter and walked away from Christ and, and know that you should come home to him. Well, today's your day. Let someone in that house, in that home, lead you to Jesus. Get right with God. Get right with him so that you know that you are safe and that he's at home with you in your heart and that you have a, a place for him right there. Amen. God bless you all.